The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you from a new place in my house, uh, a slightly different, uh, this is what we call the Christmas Corner because we were doing it uh, from, uh, during the Christmas holidays, we were uh, shooting from this corner of the, I just need more space for what we have going on right now. But uh, still coming to you from my home, appropriately social distanced and safe and thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. I have to check the date because uh, I know sometimes you guys, is she live? Uh, well, if you're watching us on Thursday morning, April 29th, 2021, we are live. If you're watching us any other time than that, then we are recorded and we do record all of our shows and they are available as free podcasts, free download wherever you get your podcasts. So we hope you are checking out our podcast. Recently, we were rated the number one autism podcast worldwide, and that's thanks to all of you. So uh, we hope that you'll not only find information that you want, but share it with other people when they're looking for information. That's really what we're about here is giving information and inspiration. That's all there is. There isn't anything more than that. We know that this is not a one-size-fits-all, that there are many voices in the autism community. And our show is really meant for the larger autism community. That, of course, starts with individuals who are themselves on the autism spectrum. Uh, they are the beating heart of our community. That cannot be denied. And we are not in any way trying to make it anything other than about them. But we include in the conversation everyone who loves those individuals. I know that I know personally that that is a larger community and that together we can help to make sure that the world gets the information the, um, that they need for autism awareness and autism acceptance, but also so that individuals on the autism spectrum are given the respect that they deserve, that the dignity that they deserve and the right to work love and play in all the places that they want to, not places that we're saying that they should be, that they want to. So I'm saying good morning to Ganja. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. Feel free to write in questions in the chat. Now we are live right now on YouTube, on Twitter and on Facebook Live, as well as about, I think it's like 18 other places that we are live right now. Good morning to Christina, thrilled to have you here. And um, on, the, on the big three, though, you can be writing in your question in real time, and it shows up here on our platform. If you're on any of the other platforms, I want to encourage you um, to write in your question. It just will take us longer to be able to see that, because for whatever reason, they don't yet offer us real-time viewing of your comments, right? 
but we're thrilled that you're here. And I mentioned that we are a free podcast, where free download wherever you get your podcasts. We also are available on our homepage, autism-live.com. There is a chat on that page where you can send in questions as well. It is not directly interactive. So you can send me a message. I can't send you a message back. It's on my wish list of things that I would like to have. Good morning, Parker. Oh, good afternoon. Excuse me. Uh, you're, you must be on, on that coast. Uh, but Ganja, I'm glad that you are here and with us on the live chat. That's that's wonderful for me to know. Um, today is a great day and we're excited to be here with you towards the end of this April fill in the A word, whether it's autism action, acceptance, uh, admiration, uh, whether it's awareness. We know that in different places and in different lives that you're focusing on a different A word this month and we welcome all of the A words this month and every month, um, all of the time, right? Uh, so we hope that you are uh, have been experiencing. One of the things that I, I appreciate about the month of April, it's a really busy time for us usually, a little less in the pandemic this year and last, although we've tried to you know make more things happen because it's a little bit less. But one of the things that I certainly appreciate during the month of April is that we get a little bit more news coverage. We get a little bit more attention in the mainstream media during the month of April. I think it's sort of, um, I noticed that it's a, it was a little bit less this month, um, but I think it's a little bit more in all the other months. Um, so, you know, we'll take what we can get um, and keep plugging on, uh, pushing forward for more, more awareness. Uh, some places we've reached awareness and we need to get to acceptance, right? But there are some places where we are not yet at awareness, uh, which is a little crazy making. Um, but uh, we've got a lot going on for you today. And uh, we unfortunately don't have a guest for you today. So you've got more time with me. I know uh, that's not necessarily a good thing, but if you have any questions for me, please feel free to write them in. You know, I love to tell you at the start of the show that I'm definitely not an expert. I'm not an expert in autism. I don't have, I have letters after my name, but they have nothing to do with autism. I have a master of fine arts in theater. If you have an acting question, uh, you know, <laughs> if you'd like to, you know, uh, know anything about speech and diction, uh, you know, happy to do that. But uh, I am a mom who has been on this journey for many, many years. Uh, my son was diagnosed with autism when he was two and he's about to be 18. He was two and a half and he's about to be 18 now, about to graduate from high school, about to be, he is college bound. Um, and so I've learned a, two or a thing or three along the way. And more than anything, I'm a cheerleader for you. Wherever you come on to this beautiful, I, I think of it as this great big ball of a community. And wherever you enter, if you're entering as a person on the spectrum, if you're entering as someone who loves someone on the spectrum, if you're entering as a teacher who cares deeply about folks on the spectrum, wherever you are, I think your journey is valid and you probably have questions. And if I don't know the answer to it, which is highly likely, I, I sometimes know the person we can ask. So feel free to write in questions. I also have been covering autism in, in a journalistic format for well over a decade now. So I've met a few people. I've not met everyone, 
but I've met a few experts and so um, well aware of who to jump onto. And today, because we weren't able to on Monday, we have two jargons for you, which they're kind of good that they go together because they're very confusing. So we're going to get to all of that in just a second. But I want to remind you that um, please write in in whatever way is convenient for you. But if you're watching the show recorded and you're like, hey, I don't want to get left out of the questioning, please uh, write your questions either to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. Trayvon will put that up on the screen. And I'll say it again slowly for those of you who are listening in podcast form, s.penrod, that's P as in Peter, E as in Egg, N as in Nancy, R as in Robot, O as in Oscar, D as in dog, at autism, hyphen, and hyphen is the dash in the middle, live, L as in lollipop, I as in igloo, V as in Victor, E as in egg.com. And please feel free to send your questions directly to me, or you can write them in our chat on autism-live.com if you're watching us record it. Uh, We appreciate your questions. We love your comments. We love to hear what's going on in your neck of the woods, right? So um, I want to get started. I I see that we've got a question from Ganja, and I'm going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. But first, we want to go to what we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, although today we're going to take on two. Uh, And we try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about? What does this have to do with us? Why do we have to learn this? I don't know about you, but I was drug kicking and screaming into autism jargon. I I, I was so fatutzed about it. I was like, really? Are you serious? Like, by the time I had my son and he was diagnosed, I think it was like 44 years old when he was diagnosed. And I was like, really? I got to go back to school. I got to learn these terms again. Why don't you just explain it to me in terms that anybody would understand? Then eventually I went to the dark side and realized that sometimes knowing what these terms are saves you, guess what, time, money, energy, and gets you more on the path to success. Um, That they actually become things in your tool belt. And so now I, what I try to do here on the show is give you little dribs and drabs so that it doesn't overwhelm you because it overwhelms me. And the two terms we do today still hurt my head. I'm just going to be honest with you. They still hurt my head. Um, but they're, they're terms that I think that are really important because a lot of times you guys will write in and you'll go, my, you know, significant other, my child, whoever is in, myself, I'm engaged in this challenging behavior that is not helping me get the things that I want in my life. Like what are the techniques to change a behavior that has, that, in, that um, is empathetic to the person's needs, but helps them to be more productive in their life to get the, the things that they want to in life. Well, these two terms are two of the methods that people use Uh, in ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis. And so we're going to break them down for you. So we're going to start with DRA. I know it looks like draw, but it's not. It's DRA. So let's take a look at what the actual definition is. Then we will bang our heads against the wall because it won't help us. And then we'll look at a working definition. So DRA is a procedure for decreasing problem behavior. Okay, good. I'm in. In which reinforcement is delivered for a behavior that serves as a desirable alternative to the behavior targeted for reduction and withheld uh, and withheld following instances of the problem behavior. Okay. I was with it for a long time and then it fell all the way apart for me. Uh, and this is, I'm so glad that we have the reference here. If you're looking for the book, 
if you want to look up all of the actual definitions of every jargon term that there is for autism, I can tell you that the book that the BCBAs, the Board Certified Behavior Analysts use, is Cooper Heron and Hayward. Um, that's the book. For me, it's a beautiful doorstop because, and something to make fun of because I don't understand these terms and, I, and I've been doing this for a long time. So a procedure for decreasing problem behavior in which reinforcement is delivered for a behavior that serves as a desirable alternative to the behavior targeted for reduction and withheld following instances of the problem behavior. Uh, right? Okay, let's, let's take it down a notch and take it over to our working definition and see if we can't sort through this. So DRA in our working definition, and uh, Traven's going to show that to me. Uh, it's a type of intervention used to reduce challenging behavior. Okay, we got that. We're with it so far. A more appropriate behavior is identified. Reinforcement is given when the appropriate behavior is used or observed. Uh, and functional communication training is one type of DRA intervention. Okay, it's not that much better. So let's try and see if we can break it down. So let's say that I am hitting someone. Now, it, you know, um, that's a behavior that is not going to get me what I really want in life. It may have gotten me what I wanted in the moment if I'm a four-year-old and what I want is the toy that you're playing with and I hit you and you cry and run to your mother, I get the toy. So it's going to work for me in the moment, but long-term as I become five, six, seven, eight, nine, forty-eight, hitting someone to get what I want is going to get me into trouble. It's not going to be something that long-term is going to serve its purposes for me, right? So we would term that a challenging behavior. It's not really meeting the long-term needs for the individual, but we need to be cognizant of the fact that short-term, it for sure is. One of the things that we want to do in ABA is try to make sure that, you know, they don't get the reinforcement for the behavior that they're doing that's considered a challenging behavior. So if I hit to get the toy, we want to make sure I don't get the toy. So, you know, if we know that this child hits, one thing that we could do is when they hit, the minute they hit, the toy goes away, right? That's something that we can do. But that doesn't cover everything, right? And it also makes a tough, you know, because now they're still hitting the person and they're confused and they don't really know what's going on. So one intervention is DRA, where we give you something else to do. So it's an alternative behavior. Now, sometimes the alternative, and, and that's the really important thing to remember, is remember alternative, right? Alternative. We're going to give you something to do instead of hitting. So that's why functional communication is DRA. Because if I want the toy, I don't have to hit you to get it if I say, my turn, or if I sign my turn, right? Or if I sign, give me, or I sign more of the toy, right? If I, or if I, I hold up a card, depending on my age, that says toy, right? I want the toy. Or I can hit a button on an iPad that says, I want the toy, right? Um, and if we're trying, if that's what we observe, from this four-year-old that they're hitting in order to get the toy, what we would want to do is teach them an alternative behavior. And every time they use the behavior to say, I want that, let's say that we choose the iPad and they hit the toy icon and it says, toy please. 
every time they do that, we would reward that by giving them the toy. But if they hit, they would not get the toy. Do you see what I'm saying? So let's read the, um, yes, we're gonna go straight to DRO after this, Traven. So let's, let's um, read it again now that we know what we know and see if it starts to make sense. A type of intervention used to reduce challenging behavior. We're trying to reduce the hitting. A more appropriate behavior is identified. So we identified that they would hit the little icon on the iPad and it would say toy please. And then we're giving the reinforcement when the appropriate behavior is used or observed. So anytime they hit the thing saying toy please, we're gonna give them the toy. Um, but we aren't going, what, what was in the actual definition that was tripping me up at least is that we don't give the reinforcer if the other behavior is, uh, is observed. So if the challenging behavior happens, if they hit, the toy goes away. The toy goes away because we're not reinforcing the old behavior. What we're trying to do is teach the individual, hey, we know you want something. You want the toy. We're gonna give you the toy, but only when you do this because this hitting the little icon on the iPad is something that's going to help you get to all of the good things in life and is not going to end up with you being in prison for having hit somebody because it's not their fault that they don't have the ability to communicate in the way that the person with the toy has, right? But it's our fault if we don't teach them how to get what they want. That's really what we're saying here. So functional communication is one example of DRA. I will also tell you that sometimes an alternative behavior can actually compete with the behavior um, that you're doing. So let's use another example and say that um, this is something you guys write in about a lot. And I saw this on one of the chats that I'm in um, that somebody was talking about their child spits a lot on their hands and that they, they spit on their hands and then they play with it on their desk and on the table. And, you know, that's a very sensory thing for some of our kids to do. Well, in some instances, the first thing that has to happen always is that somebody, an expert, has to look at it and go, what's the function of this? Because sometimes kids are doing it for a sensory thing. They could be doing it for attention, right? And it's important to know which first. But let's say that what we've discovered is that they're doing it for a sensory reason, that they like the feeling of this slippery sort of feeling on their hands and then to feel that on the desk. And so what we would do is give them a more appropriate behavior that would give them the feeling of that. I've seen people give um, kids what they call a silky, uh, which can be either a satin or sometimes it's even a, a, a furry thing, but it's silky, right? And they get a silky to hold in their hands. And so they can play with that while they're in class and they can put it on their desk, but now we're not spreading germs. So their need is being met. And what we would do is reinforce that. When they're playing with the silky, we would, be, we would say, you know, Johan, great playing with your silky. Thank you for playing with your silky and, and absolutely reward them for it. But it's preventing, the whole purpose of it is that it's preventing the behavior that has a problem. And the reason why spitting on your hands is a problem is because that's spread of germs, right? We, and we can't have that in a classroom. But the person has a need and we need to make sure that the need is fed. So alternative, and the key here is we need to reinforce the alternative. Now, sometimes the, the thing is actually reinforcing on its own, like the silky itself might be reinforcing, but we also want to put praise on it as well 
um, so that it's really reinforcing, oh, I can get my needs met and it, and it works this way, but this, I don't get my need, you know, we would prevent them from doing that. We would wash their hands because we don't need the germs and they wouldn't get the reinforcer for it. Um, and we certainly don't want to praise it, right? So that's DRA. And you can begin to go, oh, okay, wait a second. So I've got a challenging behavior. Is, it, is a DRA appropriate? Best to consult with a BCBA, but you see how that makes sense. We're not saying to the person, stop doing that because you know what? That doesn't work. If that worked, there would be no presence. prisons. Stop doing that, right? And we all think that that's a way that we can get people to change behavior. The truth is behavior is happening for a reason. We need to give them another way to get the behavior met and we need to reinforce it, okay? So that's an alternative. Um, DRA, it's, it stands for Differential Reinforcement of Alternative Behavior. So now let's skip on over to DRO. I know, I'm gonna hurt your heads for a second. Uh, but, but this is a whole other uh, way of dealing with challenging behavior because sometimes you'll go, well, the DRA isn't going to work in this circumstance. So let's take a look at DRO. This is another way of changing behavior. Let's take a look at our actual definition for DRO. Can you put that up there for us, Traven? There we go. Differential reinforcement of other behaviors. And I know you go, wait a minute. We just said differential reinforcement of alternative behavior. What's the difference between an alternative behavior and an other behavior? Here we go. This is omission therapy. Reinforcement is given in the absence of the targeted behavior or is given as long as the targeted inappropriate behavior does not occur. It's a whole different way of looking at something. So for alternative DRA, we've picked a specific behavior that is going to take the place of the challenging behavior. It might compete with it, or it might take the place of it. And, um, and we're going to reinforce specifically that alternative behavior. But when we're doing other, notice it says behaviors. So what we're saying is that for, we're, for a behavior that's really persistent, um, I can think of one example where there was a child who was harming their dog and they took a baseline on it, how often the child was harming the dog. And it was happening like once every 10 minutes. Can you imagine this poor dog? And so the bond wasn't happening between the child and the dog. And so they looked at it and they said, you know, they tried DRA. They tried to, you know, give the child something else specific and reinforce it. And it wasn't quite working. And they said, we got to heap a bunch of praise for doing absolutely anything other than hurting the dog. So they had all this reinforcing stuff for the child to do and they were, they were engaged in all these activities and they were heaping praise and rewards upon him for absolutely everything else that he would do. And then if he would hurt the dog, all the reinforcement would stop, all of it. So it's, it's, take, it's a totally different method. So in DRA, we're saying there, there's a targeted behavior. We're going to teach it. We're going to reinforce it. With DRO, we're saying we're going to reinforce ab, you breathing. We're going to reinforce you for breathing. We're going to reinforce you for sitting in your chair. We're going to reinforce you for you know, saying, yes, please. We're going to reinforce you for playing with your Legos. We're going to reinforce you for absolutely everything because you're not hurting the dog. And for some kids that have like, you know, they, 
um, maybe it's a big compulsion that they want to go over and do something to the dog because I, they get a reaction. And we can't say to the dog, don't react. You're giving him a paycheck for that, right? So we got to make other things big and rewarding. So DRO, an entirely different way of looking at it. We're going to reward absolutely everything else. Usually it's in a time interval that we'll say, okay, for the next, you know, we're going to go, because we're, we're trying to make it longer. If it's 10 minutes that he hurts the dog, we're going to try to go 11 minutes of reinforcing absolutely everything. I'll tell you what happens. The kids are so smart. They catch on very quickly. They catch on and they go, oh, like my life is really good right up until I hurt the dog. And then everything, and it's not like it becomes punishment when, when I hurt the dog, although we take the dog and put the dog away, right? Um, but what it is, is like the party stops. Like, it's just not as much fun when, I, when I've done this one thing. And it takes a little while, but the kids catch on to it pretty quick. Because people will say to me, well, I don't know how you would teach that to a child who's nonverbal and has low uh, receptive language. Like, how do you philosophically say to them, it's not a good thing to hurt the dog? This really drives it home in a very quick amount of time because it's like, party, party, party. Party, party, party. Right? And the kids put it together. I'll tell you um, one of the things that, uh, I, I don't think this is DRO, but um, when my son was being taught to make eye contact, um, he, he, we had oof, great therapist who um, took the time to get to know my child and know that he was super into pirates, super duper into pirates. And so he would come to our house and we had construction paper for him and he would tear paper swords by hand, not cut them because then that would make a sharp edge. And there was potential for a paper cut. So he would tear them by hand, two swords. And he would, he would have one of them and he would give the other sword to my son and they would have a sword battle. And oh my gosh, my son loved the sword battle. Absolutely loved the sword battle. And, um, but what would happen is every once in a while, the therapist would freeze. And, and the only thing that would unlock the, the, sword fighting therapist is when my son's eyes would, you know, just like, he couldn't even make eye contact, but he would pass his eyes. And that would be the thing. It was like the on button, right? To the party. Um, and then every once in a while he would freeze. And that idea of I'm doing something and a party happens, I'm doing something else and the party doesn't happen. They get it. They get it very quickly. And it's a really lovely, pristine way of teaching something um, it's hard. Um, I think it's hard for families because it's like a lot of uh, energy. It's easier to do with therapists that are young because they will make it so reinforcing for the kiddos. And that so that it's really noticeable when there's nothing. I think as caregivers, we I certainly get tired. I was like, oh, this is exhausting. But it does, uh, does, does teach it. Um, okay. Oh, somebody said we got rid of a dog because of that. That's unfortunate. That makes me sad. Okay. Uh, so those are our two jargon of the day. Let's move on to our question of the day. And Ganja, I am going to get to your question in just a second. Uh, so what drives you crazy? <laughs> what drives you crazy? Because there's something that drives each and every one of us crazy. Uh, so what is it that drives you crazy? I, it drives me crazy when people try to gaslight me, when they try to tell me something isn't when it is. That's one of the things that truly drives me crazy. I'll tell you what else drives me crazy is bad customer service. 
Um, I'm learning that I need to get over myself uh, with that, um, that I need to take into consideration what the person is going through. I think a lot of times it's just bad training. I just wish that there was more, you know, one of the things when my son, right when my son was being diagnosed with autism, I was getting ready to start a customer service business where I was going to go into businesses and train their teams how to give good customer service because I just don't think anybody teaches it anymore. And then autism came along and I, I didn't go into customer service. Um, still kind of want to a little bit. Um, but I love um, being a part of teaching individuals on the spectrum good customer service because guess what? They're the best students at it in the world. From the time that my son was little, I taught him good customer service. And then, of course, my dear friend, Joanne Laura, she uh, was running Glorious Pies. And I was a part of, of that and, and teaching adults in, uh, um, on the spectrum good customer service. And Glorious Pies, they always gave good customer service, let me just say. Uh, I love that the population of the autism community is very rule oriented. And when you are able to teach them, hey, you know, when you adhere to this rule, here are the good things that happen, boy, they get it. And that's what good customer service is, right? It's very rule oriented. When you um, acknowledge someone when they're standing in line, I love when I go to a store and I get in line, even if I'm the 10th person back, when the cashier looks up and says, hi. I know I'm in line and like I've been considered and I'm not just another number. You've, we've all been to the cashier who like never looks up and is, you know, ringing things up and never even notices you, right? Um, but it's so much more, I'll wait in line so much longer when somebody says hi, when I get in line. It's, it's a millisecond, but it's an important thing. Uh, yeah, I'm a customer service nut. Anyway, uh, so what drives you crazy? Please write it in the chat. I love to know what makes other people crazy. Uh, I love that when my son got older and got more verbal, he was able to tell me that egg cartons, like those polystyrene egg cartons make him full on nuts, that he can't stand the sound. Of, and after that, I got only paper ones or plastic ones and never got a polystyrene one again. Cause he was like, Oh man. And I didn't know when he was a kid that that was one of the things that was setting him off. So what drives you crazy? Let's all talk. Uh, all right. And our topic this week, uh, and I don't even remember what it is. Oh, progress. Progress is the thing, right? Uh, we all want to get to the promised land. But the thing that I've been told is that, you know, when they got to the promised land, they still had to build things. <laughs> you know, they, there were no curtains hanging from buildings because there was no buildings. So we always want to just progress. Uh, it's that my favorite quote, uh, somebody asked me recently, what's your favorite quote? And I said, oh, Dory from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming because it's progress. And progress over time is the thing that gets you to the top, right? Um, that's the key. Are you making progress? And if you're not making progress, what needs to change so that you can make progress? For me, that's the be all end all. Okay, so I want to get to Ganja's question. I need your help for how to start therapy for my eight-month-old daughter. I see autism sign on my daughter's behavior. I, I didn't uh, know what to do. Okay, so when your daughter is eight months old, um, if you are starting to see signs that are of concern to you, I'm wondering, is there an older sibling that is already on the spectrum and that's why you're seeing it? Or has somebody caught this incredibly early? 
It's not that it's impossible to diagnose at eight months, but it's harder to diagnose at eight months. But here is the thing. There have been a couple of studies that have been done about starting uh, very specific therapies with kids that are younger than a year that if we start to see them not meeting their milestones, that we can begin the process of getting them caught up because that's the whole deal. Uh, one of the things that happens with autism is that there is, you know, either we don't meet the milestones or milestones are met for a while, then plateau, and then we lose some skills. And then there's a period of time when nobody knows what's going on. And that's critical time because the further behind the child gets, the longer it's going to take to get them caught up. But at eight months, you are, you can't be that far behind. The maximum behind you can be is eight months, right? And that would be unusual, right? So the first thing that I would encourage you to do is make sure that your child is healthy at eight months. Because when, when a child is having, you know, and we're talking about a baby here, if a, if a baby is only having diarrhea, uh, and not having good bowel movements, if they are colicky and they're having a lot of gas and pain in their intestines, then we, we have to deal with that because that will prevent them from learning. But um, I would encourage you, I, I almost, I, I'll be honest with you, I would love for you to send me your email. I would love for um, to refer you to either Evelyn Kung or Dr. Doreen Grampichet and have them give you some things to work on. But there is a great, great tool, which is called Skills. And you can go to skillsforautism.com. Um, and it age norms uh, all of the skills that a, a child needs to learn. So it would, it would, you would be able to look at that and see what are the things that an eight-month-old should be able to do. I'm not a child development expert, um, but the other thing that you could do is you could just Google what are, what are age norm skills uh, for babies zero to one year. They usually go by, I think before a year, it goes by six months. And then once they're a year, it goes by, by full calendar years. But it'll tell you the kinds of things that an eight month old should be able to do. My recollection is that an eight-month-old should be able to pull themselves up and sit up um, and that they have the ability to track things um, and that they have the ability to grasp things, um, the palm grasp by eight months. But I, I don't think that there would be a lot more than that. Um, but there would be exercises that you could do to begin to work on those things. Uh, but I would love for you, send me your email and I will see if I can connect you with either, either Evelyn Kung or Dr. Grampichet. I love that you're asking so early uh, because here's the thing I want you to know is that even if your daughter is on the spectrum you know, there's going to be lots of things that she can learn and everybody learns at different rates, but the key is catching it early. And that if there have even been instances of children that had older siblings that were on the spectrum, and then there were signs seen in their baby brother or sister, and they began to do things with them. And the, ch the children never ended up getting a diagnosis of autism because they didn't qualify it because they got caught up before that happened. So, um, you know, I think you're, you're in a great spot to be asking questions. 
Um, okay, I watch all of your videos. Thank you so much. You helped me pass my RBT test. You helped me so much. Thank you. That's from Z. Z, congratulations. I, I love knowing that there are amazing RBTs out there. Um, uh, oh, Parker says, I cannot stand bad service at a restaurant. I am known as a bad tipper for that reason. Now I'm an ex waitress, so, uh, I'm a very good tipper. Um, even when I get bad service, because I know that sometimes it's not the waiter's fault or the waitress's fault. Cause sometimes it's the, you know, the, the hostess is horrible or the kitchen is horrible. And I know, you know, they basically don't pay wait staff. They, they count on you to pay them for tips, which is horrible. That shouldn't be allowed. Um, but I hate bad service in a restaurant too. I mean, it's just uh, absolutely horrible. It makes me crazy. Uh, someone else says a hot car drives uh, my son crazy. Won't get in until the air conditioner is on for a while and cool at all. Isn't that interesting um, how we all have different things? I, I'm somebody who... Um, I used to love to be outdoors and I used to love it when it was hot and I loved to sit in the sun. I was somebody who used to like to bake in the sun. And then I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I can't be in the sun at all anymore. And I can't bear to be hot. It's just the worst thing in the world for me to be hot. Um, and, and I, and I guess I remember my mother was like this as she got older, she couldn't stand to be in a car unless the fans were on. She had to have, she would always say, you got to get some air moving. I can't deal. You got to get some air moving. So it's interesting how we all have those things that we need in order to be okay. And, and one of the reasons why I bring that up is because I think a lot of times, this is part of the autism acceptance that I want to put forward into the world is that a lot of times people will go, well, you know, that's, it's, you know, a person on the, the spectrum has this need and we go and the world goes, oh, well, that's autism. They should get that, I don't know, under control. I don't know what the phrase is in their head. Um, and that makes me full on crazy. It's like, well, no, somebody's in distress. There's something that's bothering them. And, you know, okay, um, if it's a, if it's something that's non-negotiable, like we we have, we all know people on the spectrum that have a hard time hearing sirens, right? But that's a fact of life and sirens are going to be around. And I think that's the kind of thing that we would work on desensitizing them from it because, or getting them noise canceling headphones if we're going to be in a circumstance where we're out and about and there might be sirens um, because we can't change the world about that. So we want to give them ways to cope with the world. But if it's something, you know, like turning on the air conditioning because um, they don't like being in the hot, hot car, I mean, that's totally doable. That's totally doable. And I think everybody has their, their own thing. Um, Parker says, isn't eight months a bit young? It is, it is very young, but the fact of the matter is if a child isn't meeting their milestone, it's not a cause for panic, but it is for helping the child to meet their milestones. All kids are going to do things uh, on their own schedule but we want to be in a semblance of the milestones because what we don't want to have happen, which happens every day of the week and three times on Sunday, is that um, kids on the spectrum won't meet their milestones, but we don't start to intervene until they ha already haven't met their milestones for like a year. When my son was three and diagnosed with autism, I remember the first time that there was a definitive thing where they had gone through and 
looked at all of his skills and normed them out. And they said, okay, well, so he was three, he was two and a half. No, I think actually he was three at that point. And it was right before we started our card services. And they, you know, I had to sit there with this room full of people and they said, well, your son's verbal skills are that of a six month old. And your son, I, I remember there's just this long, long list of things that they were telling me, well, he's three years old, but his skill level at this is a year old. And there was only one thing, his balance was particularly good. And they said, you know, he's above average on balance. He has the skills of a four-year-old on balance. And I, like, I walked around for probably a month. I'm, look, it's all these years later, and I'm still telling you, I was telling everybody, I was like, well, he's exceptional at balance, right? Because my heart hurt so bad that my kid was that many years behind. He was only three, and he was already two and a half years behind on some skills. And it took us five years of therapy to get him caught up on those things. And, and while we were catching him up on those things, he got behind on a couple of other things. There are still things that uh, I think my son is exceptional and caught up on almost all things. Um, but there are some life things that he is, even though he's about to be 18, that he hasn't been exposed to because we were busy doing other things. Um, and everybody has things that, you know, every individual on the spectrum are not things that you're better at, things that you're ahead, things that you're behind. But for a child to get to the point where they're two years behind on language development, I will tell you, gives me chest pain even now to think about it. And if I could go back in time and know that there's this thing called um, joint attention that we want to start to see in babies that if I look at the dog, the stuffed dog, and I go, <gasps> you know, that the child, and I'm, my gaze is at the dog. What we want to start to see is that baby looks at the dog to see what am I freaking out about? And then we both look at each other and I go, it's a dog. It's a blue dog. And the baby picks up information about the blue dog from me. That's the groundwork of all social skills. I used to go to Disneyland and, and I don't ride the rides because I, I get sick on the tram, but I would sit there and watch mothers with their two-year-olds look at Mickey and go, oh, it's Mickey. And the two-year-old would look and go, oh, and then they would both look back at Mickey and I would go, look at that. That's a miracle. That's not happening with my child. And if I had known that I could be working on that with my child and that it would help my child for the rest of my life. Woo! That would have been a good day. Uh, that would have been a really good day. So, um, you know, um, it's never, you know, we're always playing with our kids. We're always teaching our kids. I, I remember somebody telling me that the whole, they have to pull themselves up. So even when he was a little baby, we used to do the thing where you put your fingers out and the babies grasp hold of your fingers and we would pull him up with our fingers and we'd go, ooh, and then gently put him back down and we would pull him back up and go, ooh. And if you think about it, we're just teaching him to use his stomach muscles, but we're giving him all that reinforcement when he comes up. And he learned that, oh, when I engage my stomach muscles, like I have entertaining things to watch. Um, it's, and that's just a very normal thing that you do with babies. When we sing to babies, um, all of it is 
and, and, and an enriching learning environment. So eight months old is pretty young to diagnose autism, but it's not too young to diagnose being behind um, and to start to do things um, to make a difference so that they're not as far behind. Um, if my son hears those sounds, he's mimicking for weeks. It gets to the point to where my ears are ringing well after. Um, yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that is that, um, if he mimics sounds, it makes me wonder what else can he mimic? If that's a thing that he likes to do, what would happen if we would put other things in his bank? So if he hears, I'm assuming that you mean like a siren, that if he hears the siren that he's mimicking the siren. So, um, you know, I think about that guy from, he was in all the Police Academy movies, very funny comedian who does sound effects with his mouth. Um, like he can do a helicopter and he can do all of that. Cause my son liked to make noises and he made very high pitched noises at like R2D2 noises. But I wonder what we found out later on from, for him, Kirsten, was that he had a very good ear for music. Um, and so we sort of enriched his environment with music, but he has a very good ear for dialect. So now as a 17 year old, he's been taking a stage dialect class. Um, but he also has a good ear for languages. So it's sort of interesting. It's like, if that's something he keys into, we noticed, cause you know, like a lot of families, we played a lot of the Disney movies and the Disney movies, a lot of them have music and songs in them, but they also have what they call signature music for characters. So when Stitch is on, they have like a certain uh, instrument or a certain set of notes that play that's subliminal to me. I don't hear it. I don't notice it. But when we would later take my son to Disneyland and when you're in between Disneyland and California Adventure, there's this big plaza that separates the two entrances and they pipe Disney music um, just the, the instrumental over the loudspeakers. And we could sit there with my son and we could say, what's this from? And, and he could tell you what background music it's from. Oh, that's from uh, this movie. That's from that movie. And he would be able to tell you, which is kind of amazing, right? So if your son is very keyed into those sounds, I wonder what would happen if you gave him something you want him to learn. Uh, he will sing, but won't talk in more than two words. Ah, yes, chirps and squeaks. Um, so are, are, is he able to sing an entire song all the way through? Because that's very telling. If he can sing, you know, they, they've learned that, for instance, people who stutter um, will have a hard time accessing the part of their brain and so they stutter, but if you ask them to sing, there's no stuttering, which is amazing, right? Um, that we were learning in the map of the brain that things happen in different places. Does he like to sing, um, Kirsten? Because I would, I would be singing with him and getting him to sing. We have some folks who learn how to sing what they want. So um, they learn a song and then 
what we what we can do is teach them. So let's say, for instance, he says, I want breakfast, and he can learn to sing, I want breakfast. <laughs> I'm not a singer, but uh, like Moana songs, very cool. I would I would encourage that to the hilt. You know, if if think about what you're passionate about in life. Um, and, and who you've become as a person because you're passionate about it. Right. And, and I call it feeding the bank. Um, you know, because the world, it takes all kinds of people in the world. And when I look at people who are really successful at something, you know, it's because they were so passionate about it that some people might've thought it was that they were obsessed with something, but if he is someone that the part of his brain is responding to singing um, and that he's keying into communication through singing, I say put quarters in that bank. Have, have we already tried uh, teaching him a musical instrument? Because you know some people understand the language of music, which is math, really, um, better than they understand spoken language. Uh, we've seen this many, many, many times with folks on the autism spectrum that they can pick up the language of music and very quickly become very good at the piano, guitar, whatever. I wonder if you have a little musician on your hands, but let me know. Have you tried um, playing piano or, or an instrument? Um, Christina says, my son scripts all the time, but has minimal language. He has so many words, talks all the time, but expressive language is hard. Here's what I want you to know, though, is really good about that, um, Christina, is that the pathway is there. He has the pathway to it. Now, you know, sometimes kids have apraxia, and that's much harder. If you have apraxia and, and we can't get to the words... Um, like we physically can't get to the words. Ooh, that's really hard. It's not impossible to work on, but it's really, really hard. But he has the words and he's scripting them. I really want to encourage you, Christina, if you've not already seen the film Life Animated, because there's this school of thought that people say kids that script, um, you know, it's just babble. It is not. I just don't subscribe to that. And I love when Dr. Grand Pichet talks about this and she says that if we gave context, that if we teach the kiddo um, how to, for instance, say, oh, you know, in the movie Shrek, when the gingerbread man says this, then the scripting would make total sense. But sometimes our kids are so clever. And if you watch A Life Animated, and it's about Ron Suskin's son, and th that for years he scripted from Disney movies, and they just ignored it because they thought it was just him babbling and it was him not making sense. And then one day they realized that it was situational specific, that he, what he was doing was so much more complex than how you and I talk. He was in a circumstance and didn't know what to say. So he referenced the thing that he loved, Disney movies, and went, okay, which Disney movie does this situation apply to? Oh, the scene in Aladdin when this part, Jafar says this, and then he would say it in that circumstance as a way of communicating with them. But mom and dad and brother did not know all the backstory because they hadn't watched Aladdin a million times and didn't know what the circumstance was. And once they figured out that that's what he was doing, it changed everything. 
And he's living, as far as I know, independently now and is, you know, largely communicative, not scripting. I mean, still occasionally, but watch that movie, Life Animated. We also interviewed the mom um, on the show. It would be on our YouTube channel. Uh, oh, interesting. So uh, Kirsten wrote back in and said, yes, we have so many instruments and he can do all the notes verbally and can label every instrument. I, you know, I, I, I just would want to put quarters in that bank and I encourage you, um, we have kids that are nonverbal that take piano lessons. Obviously you've got to get the right person. A million years ago when my child was just newly diagnosed, I was on a plane and um, the gentleman in front of me at one point, uh, somebody stopped and said, oh my gosh, are you so-and-so? Uh, and they, so they're st he's standing in the aisle talking to this person sitting in front of me that I can't see. And they're talking about autism and music. And, and I was like, what, why is this guy sitting in front of me on the plane? And so we got off the plane and I stopped him and I said, I got to stop you. Uh, what was this you were talking about? And he said, no, we've done all these. He said, this is an amazing thing. And that kids should be taught music on the spectrum because it unlocks a part of their brain that is a strength. And uh, he had done lots of studies and uh, I encourage you find someone or, or learn how to teach your son how to play the piano or another instrument uh, could be a great thing. Uh, Shannon, you are an amazing storyteller and a great speaker. You make hard topics much more enjoyable and easy to listen. May God bless and protect you and your family. Oh, and right, right back at you. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. Uh, Christina says, he says, uh-oh, and it means he doesn't want to or doesn't like. We are learning what his scripts mean. It's hard. I am slowly learning. Music has helped our son so much as well. I want you to hang in there, Christina. Um, I know it's hard. And I know that the, it's hard because what you want right now is for him to sit down and tell you everything that's in his head. I, I you are like my sister from another mother. Um, cause that's exactly how I felt. Um, but I also want you to know that it takes time. It takes time, but you've got all the components. I, I really, honestly, I believe that you're going to get there. Um, because you've already said, you've shared with us that he does say things, that he walked outside recently and he said, he said, Burr, it's cold. So that tells me that you're, you're going to get there. It's going to take you longer than you want. Um, but I think that you're going to get there and you got to keep at it. Progress. That is what the topic is this week, right? Every little increment progress. So keep breathing, just keep swimming. I, I really believe that you're going to get there and, and things are going to be revealed and it's going to be beautiful. Uh, we still have, I, I thought we were out of time because I want him to talk to me like the other kids in the grocery store. I know you do. I know you do. And I was the same way. And I got to be honest with you that even now, I don't think that my kid talks to me the way other kids talk to their moms. It's better. It's better um, how he talks to me, but there were years when I didn't get what I wanted years when I didn't get what I wanted. Um, but I believe that I believe in you. I know that you are one of the toughest mamas out there and I believe that you're going to get there and he's got all the ingredients and you won't give up. Um, but I do think you're going to have to change the way you look at it. 
and I say this to you with love, meet him where he is. Instead of hoping that he would talk to you the way the other kids at the grocery store do, talk to him where he is now. He is talking to you. It's not enough for you, but try to meet him where he is. And when he says, uh-oh, and you know that what, he, what he's saying is um, something else, uh, uh, language it back to him. So if he says, uh-oh, say, oh, you don't want that? And then put it away. So that if it's not what he means, it'll go, no, you know? But language it for him. Oh, you, uh, oh, you don't want that? Um, language it every single time for him. He's a little sponge. And he's smart as a whip. Um, you know, he, he probably one day going to go work for NASA because he is so super duper smart. Um, and I would feed that bank. You know that he loves the planets and you know that he's all about that. So I would be feeding that bank. I, you know, find every program on YouTube uh, you know, have him watch SpaceX, get him all excited about the things that he's excited about. Um, and he'll, he'll find a way to communicate and listen closely because he's already telling you who he is and who he is, is pretty amazing. So meet him there, Christina. And eventually some, you know, someday you're, there's going to be a moment, and I tell you this from experience, when you're going to go, oh, this isn't what I thought it looked like, but it's so good. It's so good, and I'm right here, and he's right here, and it's all good. That's going to happen. Uh, lately, he's memorizing math facts. Yeah, he's going to go work at NASA. Uh, so uh, you're doing great. You're doing great. But you got to, you know, I'll tell you what other movie to go watch is uh, Brave because it's a movie about a mom and a daughter and the mom has an expectation that the daughter is going to be who she wants her to be and she's not. And that's everyone's story. You are not who your mother thought you were going to be. You are you. And you want to be accepted and loved for who you are. And your little is exactly who he is. And I know you want more. It's coming. It's been ordered. But, but love him for who he is. Meet him where he is right now. And I think you'll find that, like, there's a whole lot there. There's a whole lot there. All right? We're out of time, my friends. But I absolutely love and adore all of you. We're back tomorrow with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I don't know who the guest is, but Nancy will be here. We'll be doing it in the news. And I, it's somebody fabulous. I just don't know who. Uh, I don't have my notes in front of me. I'm in a different part of the house. But I love and adore all of you. We're going to close this month out with bang. Uh, so don't be anywhere but here tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.